Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I want to introduce you to my next guest, and we're really just going to jump in. My guest's name is Jennifer Lynch. She is a former rad mom, and we'll talk about about that, but we have a lot to talk about. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tracy. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So you and I talked, well, we connected through Anne Lampfear, who runs the Second Chance Adoption Program, which we had on our podcast a couple of episodes ago. And, but you and I connected on the phone and we have a lot in common. We were both adopted. We're both rad or you're a former rad mom. And then you also are a parent who used the second chance adoption or yeah, adoption program, second chance adoptions program. Yes. So where should we start? (laughs) We have a lot to unpack. (laughs) We have a lot to unpack. I love it. I'm excited. (laughs) So you were a rad mom. How did that begin? What's the story there? So my husband and I wanted to expand our family through adoption. And we went to an adoption agency and we were actually looking at an infant adoption to start with because we didn't know, we, it, even though I'm adopted, we still didn't know all of our options and what, you know, what we were going to be doing. And so we just knew we wanted to be parents. We had a lot of love and we just, we wanted, we just wanted to be parents, bottom line. Right. And so when we went to this agency, the lady that we spoke with, um, the director of the agency, asked us to keep an open mind and presented us with this sweet looking little girl who was, let's see, she was six and a half at the time. Okay. And her adoption was actually being dissolved and they were looking for a second adoptive home for her. Gotcha. As soon as you said that, my stomach tightened up. (laughs) And part of it's because now knowing what we know and just almost the, did you feel like you were naive or, you know, did you know what a disrupted adoption really meant or even what it was? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. And neither did my husband. And we, we naive is the perfect word to describe how we were. We just wanted to be parents so badly that, you know, we didn't know any better. We went through the classes and we, did the research. And I say that very loosely because we didn't know what to research. (laughs) um, Very good point. Yep. And so when she was brought into our home, the agency actually, the, the agency we were working with told us to ask her current uh, therapist if she had any attachment issues. And we're like, okay, (laughs) we didn't know what that meant. Right. And so we did. And the therapist said, no, no attachment issues. 
she's perfectly healthy, no issues. Okay, so we just naive again, right? <laughs> we just went with it. And right. So you knew to ask the question, but you didn't really know what you were even asking or what you were supposed to hear back that would be no nope. good information, right? <laughs> right. You did what you were told. We asked the question. The answer is no. Let's move on. Yay. Exactly. Right. So we thought we were being set up for success. And I, I don't know, it's just, yeah, looking back on it now, knowing what I know now, yeah. gosh, I wish parents knew to ask, right. <laughs> right. Ask more questions. And was this a local agency in? Yes. We yeah. were actually okay. living in Colorado at the time. Okay. And so the agency that we were working with, we were, so the receiving agency, I guess, um, was local to where we were living. And then the placing agent agency was also local. So we were actually working with two agencies okay. to place our daughter. Okay. And tell me a little bit more about that. So you went in hoping, or at first your intention was to go forward with an infant adoption. Mm -hmm. And so when they presented you with this girl, six and a half, uh, you talk to the therapist, everything sounds perfect. What changed you or what changed your mind to consider an older child? Well, my husband and I, I keep going back to the fact that we just wanted to be parents. And mm -hmm. so an infant adoption is very expensive. I mean, we were willing to go down that route, but the fact that we just really wanted to be parents, I think is what drove us to this. Cause it was more of an immediate option if that makes right. sense it does make um sense. and when we met her my husband and I just fell deeply deeply in love with her like she was so sweet and kind still is yeah right. <laughs> um she had just the sweetest heart and we mm. had uh dogs at the time and when she would come over and visit and we would see if this was an option for us which by the way is not a normal way to place children it, <laughs> it isn't happened to be the way that we went about um doing it so how did you do it sorry you had her come do a couple of stays oh, so we did so we were home studied okay. um, and so we got our home study done mm -hmm. and um from that point she was allowed to come and visit us not stay overnight yet but she was able to come and you know bake cookies with us or do some crafts or you know we would read with her stuff like that she would play with the dogs and she was just so sweet with them and so we kind of got to know her on that level okay she was still with the first adoptive family okay and they were the ones that would bring her to visit with us and so we'll get into why that's not a good idea, you know, later <laughs> on down the road. <laughs> okay. And I have a question for you. Just, sure. I, I don't mean to keep stunting the story, but I have so many things going through my mind. So you're interacting with this other family. Just a quick question. Did you, did you know the story behind the disruption? Did they disclose stuff to you? Did you feel they were able to tell you everything or did they sneak you to the side? <laughs> You know, or did they not reveal? Mm -hmm. Those are all great questions. And they did reveal to us. So Jason, my husband, and I met with them first before we met our daughter. 
And I just, I remember it clear as day and they explained to us everything. And supposedly she wasn't bonding with her brother, which should have been a red flag for us, you know, with the whole attachment thing. Right. And is Um, this a biological brother? Yes. He is a biological brother, which they still have, but they claimed that she had been very violent towards him. Mm. And so for the safety of the little brother and her, they decided to dissolve the adoption. So from that respect, they, they told us a story. We're not a hundred percent sure if it was accurate, but because she never had violent tendencies ever, right. um, she, she would throw tantrums and stuff, but never a violent tendency. She'd never even hit walls or anything. Okay. Um, and so we're not really sure if that was the case. I mean, okay. we had her history, so we had her CPS reports and everything, Child Protective Services. Yep. And why she was pulled out of her biological home and then transitioned to several different therapeutic foster homes. And how old was she when she was pulled out of her biological home? She was about, I believe she was about two, two and a half. So she was still young, which are the formidable years. (laughs) Did she go straight to this family that was prior to you? She actually went to several different therapeutic foster homes because she had some behaviors that needed to be worked through. And then she did end up in this home. I believe they adopted her little brother first. And then, okay. you know, the state always tries to keep biological families together. And so they, mm-hmm. you know, placed our daughter with, um, with this family. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just getting some no, background okay. on that. <laughs> so you talked with the family, they filled you mm-hmm. in, you were doing these visits and then everything's yep, going well. All of a sudden this was, um, like visit number four, I think. Okay. She didn't, she hadn't been told yet that we were going to be her new parents. So she just thought she was Hmm. visiting friends of the family. (laughs) And so she came over to visit and she told my husband, gosh, I think you'd make a really good daddy. And so, which was really sweet, but she had no idea, you know, what was going on. And so they, the, the first adoptive family, we told them what had happened and, and they're like, okay, she's ready. Let's move her into your home. So, wow. So there was never a conversation with her about not in the beginning. I believe they had the conversation with her one time and it was the night before she was moving into our home. Okay. And do you know the reason for that? Was that the parents' decision? Was that the, you know, social workers or the people helping you transition? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it was the parents' decision. Okay. Um, gotcha. Because they had tried to find another family for her and it had fallen through every time. And so I think oh, they shoot. were just really on edge and didn't want her to right. know because of right. that. So Sure. And no judgment here. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been in a similar situation. So I was just curious, ours came directed kind of from therapy. And so I just always wonder, you know, who's, who's helping making those decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So when she was placed in our home, we, we, we have learned (laughs) that (laughs) rescue her from a situation that she didn't like or wasn't thriving in because they I mean they took beautiful care of her she was their daughter 
you know, she had everything she needed and wanted. And so she wasn't in a bad situation that we were rescuing her from. And so throughout the years, the attachment (laughs) signs and symptoms started to rear their ugly head and Mm -hmm. she began to, I think she was doing it from the beginning, but she was manipulating us. And, you know, we, we were first time parents. We had no idea that this was going on, you know, because you're like, okay. You know, I remember one of the first times, oh my gosh, (laughs) no judgment here. Right. (laughs) Right, right, first none. Zero. All the mistakes you make in general, but then you bring in this other yeah. layer of adoption, and then this other layer of attachment issues and yes, manipulation. Right. So she wasn't doing her schoolwork. We thought homeschooling. We had always thought homeschooling was going to be what we would do for you know whoever, whether we mm-hmm. had a child biologically or adopted. And so we tried homeschooling while she wasn't cooperating and it wasn't a learning Mm. disability or anything like that. She was, she was just not cooperating. And so we tried everything. And then I remember the last straw was, okay, if you don't, (laughs) if you don't do your schoolwork, you're going to have to go back to public school. Well, that's what she wanted to do. So she kept not doing her schoolwork. <laughs> right. So, Whoops. Um, yeah. We ended yeah. up enrolling her in public school and she needed that anyway. She needed the interaction because she was an only child with mm-hmm. us. So she needed the interaction with the other kids and to, you know, form friendships and relationships and learn how to, you know, bond with, with other kids. And so we sent her to public school and it was, it was the best thing. <laughs> But, you know, it was like, it was that manipulation. And and I know that all kids do that, but it's, you know, it's that other layer right. of, you can't just come right out and say, well, I kind of want that, <laughs> you know? Right. So, well, and it's next yes, level manipulation, it right? It's not the, you know, and that's a big thing that always comes up is that balance between no matter what age they are, there is um, a normal amount of those behaviors or or a level where some of those things happen, but then there's a level when you're dealing with attachment or reactive attachment disorder that it's amped up. And so it's no longer normal, even though there's a level of it that can be, yeah, it's, it's next level. For it's sure. definitely next level. And, and I just remember, you know, throughout the years, she really bonded with Jason and just okay. loved being you know, his daughter and they would do everything together. But then when I came into the picture, it was always, well, why are we hanging out with her? And, (laughs) you know, it was, it was very difficult because I wanted nothing more than to be a mom and to be this child's mom. You know, I had signed up for that. I had dedicated, you know, and committed to that. And so Mm. eventually it ended up being, you know, she would play the favorites game. So she would ask Mm -hmm. Jason, well, who's your favorite mommy or me? And of course that's putting him in a place that shouldn't be. And so totally uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable. And just uh, he's dad and loves her in that way. And he's husband to me and loves me in that way. And so she could never, never, ever, ever accept that that was how it was. She always wanted him to say, well, you're my favorite and he never would. And so that started to cause an even deeper rift and more manipulations. And, you know, it just, she, everything we ever did, she never wanted to be part of our family. 
as right. as the family was and you know she would even she never came right out and said it would be better if mommy left but whenever they went on camping trips together and they would come home it was kind of like oh well now mommy's here <laughs> right so, you equated or did you equate it a little bit I mean this is a really um simplified thing but just to express kind of the feeling of it for me I don't know if you felt this way but it was almost like that you know, you're in high school and uh, one of your friends or another girl is trying to steal your boyfriend yes. away, right? It's that mm -hmm. same type of jealousy, the same behaviors. Yep. And, you know, a lot of times behind, you know, the, the father or in high school behind their back, right? It's just hidden yep. and just directed to you. Nobody sees it. Did you feel that same? That's the best way I can explain it to people who don't experience yep. it. I think. Well, yes, I was jealous of course, but I always just chalked it up to the fact that she came from, you know, several homes. And so she didn't really maybe understand the mommy and daddy hmm. dynamic and relationship and then what it meant to be a child. And so we always right. tried to show her that, you know, we, we showed her all the love we could and tried to demonstrate that we're a united front and it's not mm -hmm. mom and dad or mom versus dad with, you know, our daughter in, in the mix. <laughs> right. It was and you brought up a really important point about you, you just knew that she was not interested in being a part of your family. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't even know how we really came to that conclusion, but it was several years in, um, she was with us for, um, five and a half years. Let's see. Yeah. Five, uh, actually about five years to the day almost. Okay. Wow. And so just anything we did as a family, when we would get my parents involved, you know, cause we were doing family stuff, mother's day. Oh my gosh. Right. Holidays were terrible. Why it, were they terrible? She would sabotage them. She would be angry and not allow us to celebrate, you know, even her birthday, she, we would surprise her, you know, with gifts and things that we knew that she wanted. They weren't mm -hmm. mountains of gifts. We always tried to keep, you know, a, <laughs> a reasonable amount, which I know is a very subjective word, but, you know, something she needed, something she wanted, a book to read, you know, stuff like that. Right. But she was never happy with it. Or if she was, it was for about 30 seconds. And then, you know, where's my next gift? Right. Or it didn't have any meaning. Yeah. There, there was, was no, no meaning, meaning behind it. it. And so, mm -hmm. and it, you know, it just, it was very difficult. And so with Christmas, you know, we ended up this last Christmas, we were going to cancel Christmas if she was still with us <laughs> and not, it was so bad. Wow. We weren't even going to tell her that it was yeah. Christmas, which I feel awful about even saying that, but it would have just been nice to just have a day where <laughs> we didn't have all of right. the drama and the tantrum. Right. Cause those holidays and those gift giving events and celebrations, mm -hmm they end up not being what they are for most people. And it, like you say, it's harder to go through that and put everybody through that yep. than to just ignore it and and just to move through it like another day. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. easier to do that. Because yeah. I remember we would get my parents involved, um, you know, with our holidays because they're grandma and grandpa. <laughs> right. And yeah. She just, 
she was so rude to them and disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And of course that amped me up because don't be disrespectful to first of all, your elders, but second of all, my parents don't be disrespectful to them. So that caused a rift and just looking back on it, there's, there's a lot of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of like what you're saying triggers because then you get hurt. These are your parents and you want, you love them and respect them. You want everybody else to love them and respect them, especially family, right? And that brings up a lot of your own stuff and that balance of understanding where, what your child has gone through and experienced and then trying to balance what you're going through because you're not hearing, I love you and I care for you. You're giving presents and they're not there's no meaning to them. You can see that it means nothing. I mean, all those little things day in and day out, really great. And, and wear you down as a, as a parent and mostly the moms. Yeah. And I can relate to that with our daughter. There were just certain times where it was, uh, it wasn't really anything big and it was more about her, you know, her discomfort connecting and attaching pe- mm-hmm. to people. So if she couldn't attach to us, I don't know why I thought she could attach to you know, other family members, but, you know, I remember, I think she was doing something with my dad and it was just, I just felt bad because it wasn't the experience it should have been, you know, and it hurt my feelings because like you, you care about your parents, my dad, you know, come on. (laughs) And so, yeah, those, those things happen a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So Christmas, so Christmas, you were going to cancel. Yep. <laughs> she actually, she was actually in a new home by then. So we didn't need to, Okay, <laughs> but so you went through, let's backtrack a little bit. So you went through five and a half years. Did you know, what were you doing during this time? Were you, did you know that it was attachment or reactive attachment? Were you getting help? Were you doing what most parents do and just keep trying harder and trying different things? Mm-hmm. And then you know what so what was that like those five years um oh my goodness they're just (laughs) (laughs) a blur they are a blur we were just trying everything and honestly I didn't know it was reactive attachment disorder or anything like that until probably about two years ago I connected with an old high school friend and she had adopted um four kiddos out of the foster care system not, they weren't biologically related. So they were four different adoptions and um, two of them had rad. And so she was talking to me about this and I thought, gosh, that sounds an awful lot like what our kiddos doing. And so it made me kind of, I'm a researcher by nature. If I know what to research. (laughs) And so I started researching what the heck is this attachment thing that, you know, she keeps talking about. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so the more I researched, the more I just knew in the pit of my stomach, like she didn't have the violent tendencies that a lot of rad kids do. Right. Mm-hmm. So even to this day, I really feel like either it was minor or she was healing in some respect. I don't, I don't even know, but she definitely has those attachment issues. And so we went Mm -hmm. to a therapist and the first therapist was like, Nope, she's good. But the therapist didn't know anything about rad and (laughs) attachment issues. She claimed in her bio that she knew about adoption. And so that's why we chose her. And, um, of course 
our daughter's manipulative. <laughs> and so if a therapist doesn't know what they're dealing with, right. the manipulation factor is very high and the child knows <laughs> immediately. Exactly. It's uncanny. Exactly. <laughs> And yeah. so yeah. Um, eventually we found a therapist that was like, yeah, she's rad. She's got rad. Okay. Well, can you help? Uh, and there's a waiting list for your insurance. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was very frustrating. I was, oh my gosh, every free moment I had, I was on the phone calling rad clinics or, you know, therapeutic homes, group homes that we could send her to, of course, not realizing that the group home also just puts a band-aid on it. They love going away, mm -hmm. but then coming home is like, huh, we're back to normal again. And right. so it just, it was a constant battle of trying to find the resources to support her, but then also trying so hard to fill or find time to do self-care for Jason and I. Right. Fortunately, we had and still do have an incredibly strong relationship. I could not be more grateful for him as my partner going through this. It was just, it was always, okay, well, I can't help you, but maybe this therapist can. Well, when you research that therapist, they don't know anything about adoption or attachment, or if they do, they've got a waiting right. list and it just, right. there's not a lot of readily available resources for families who are going through this. For, for families who yeah. don't even know what RAD is, there's a whole bunch of internet sites that you can go to and they all say something different and you need to go through this right. to, you know, get a diagnosis and then go through this. And it just, it was so frustrating for me. I mean, I still have a document that's pages and pages and pages long of all the resources. <laughs> right. And so the last it's kind of fragmented yes. or piecemealed, right? And then you have to reach over here and grab from this yes. jar and then go searching over here. It was gotcha. Um, my mental health was deteriorating very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um and talk about that, Jen. Like, you know, what were you experiencing just you as a rad parent going through this time? I mean, I know that you're so busy because every moment is taken up. Like you're saying, I need to find a program. I need to find therapy. I need to call insurance and make sure we qualify. What do we do? What do we do? Yeah. I'm dealing with behaviors, your marriage. So you as a parent, what were you feeling? And, and, you know, talk about that and, and your marriage and the first thing that comes to mind is anger. <laughs> I mm. was very mm -hmm. angry at life, at my daughter, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. even a little bit at my husband sometimes because sure, like he got to have that good relationship with her. Mm -hmm. um, I was lonely in the sense that mm -hmm. like I had people around me, but they didn't get it. You know, yeah. I also felt very, um, I don't even know how to describe this, but whenever I would try to talk to somebody about it, oh, that's just a normal eight year old. Yes. Right. It's back to that. Well, yep. every eight year old does that. Yeah. Right. But no, you don't, you don't get it. <laughs> it's not a normal mm -hmm. eight year old, a normal nine year old. Right. It just, 
it was that other level. And so I really yeah. shut down because I, I lost a lot of friends because I was tired of trying mm-hmm. to explain why I didn't feel like going out to them or visiting. Right. I was depressed. Yeah. Depressed, tired, yes. lonely, angry. Yes. Did you feel like a completely different person than you normally yes. were? The last five years changed me so much. Um, mm. I still have compassion for people, but it's very jaded. Um, and right. so, cause we're still only five months post-placement and I know we're going to talk about that. Right. But, um, yeah, yeah. I still feel very jaded. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, I know. Yeah. And yeah. And, and do you like the person you become? And I asked because I hated who I yes. became. That was I, just, I would never act. I was short tempered and angry. I was the bitchy mom yep. and I didn't want to be that critical, that angry. I was just on edge. And, uh, that was so not me. And I hated it. And I hated it every time I reacted, you know, in a quick, angry way, Ugh. hundred yeah. percent. That was me. I, yes. Short tempered probably is an understatement, right? Overly right. critical is, oh my gosh, yeah. everything that our daughter did towards the end was just, I couldn't stop criticizing her. I couldn't stop criticizing mm other people. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. I, and I still struggle with that. I'm working on it, but, um, yeah, I think I will always have a little bit of that. I hope not, but right. It right. just, yep. hundred percent. It feels like that. Yeah. It feels like that. And I think that's the hardest part is a, who wants to admit that I even <sighs> ugh, no. hate, you know, saying that out loud right now. Like I was that mom, ugh, you know, but I think it's good to talk about because I think we all feel that way. And, and then knowing who you were before, mm-hmm. and then, but it's, you're just so triggered and, and it's so quick. And yep. I think the thing is, is that this whole living with a child with reactive attachment disorder just erodes you so slowly and it's insidious and it just it pecks at you 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. ongoing ongoing until you're just eaten away and then you develop all these behaviors and and partly because you don't even know what's happening you don't know you just keep trying and you're in mom mode where you're trying to fix it and trying to help this poor kiddo I mean they come from this background and so that's your job, right? And that's, of course, you care and you love this kiddo. And so you're doing all that. You don't even know what's happening to yourself. I think before it's almost too late. Maybe not everybody is like that, but I can sure relate mm-hmm. to that. And then, you know, I kind of felt like after the fact, because our daughter's at a therapeutic boarding school and it hasn't been that long, but after the fact, like you saying that you're five months out, I almost needed time to just do nothing. Like I couldn't focus on self-care. I couldn't do, it's like being on vacation where you need the first three or four days to just zone out because you're still coming down from everything Mm -hmm. before you can really then step into whatever's next for your healing. Right. Yep. It, yes, it's been difficult. Um, but we're still working on it. (laughs) That's putting it politely (laughs) nicely. Yeah. Difficult. Difficult. Yeah. (laughs) It's an understatement. I I don't even know the right word. (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, you brought up something too, because I think a lot of times when we talk about reactive attachment disorder, did you have any 
Like when you talk about your daughter was more manipulative and triangulation was the name of the game versus, you know, the more severe behaviors. Hey, Rad Parents, have you ever wondered how it would feel to tell your story? It just might be your story that changes a life and helps someone. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, go to radtalkwithtracy.com, click on the podcast link and apply the scary behavior. So your life wasn't, you know, in danger, like some of these parents and families experience. Did you feel like you're any, I don't know how to explain it or phrase it, but did you feel less than, or am I, you know, if these other families are going through that, oof, maybe this isn't, am I really in Uh the right here to say this is hard or I can't handle this? A hundred percent. And I still deal with that because, you know, and I, I know we haven't talked about the second chance program yet, but some of the families that I talk to as part of that program, they have it so much worse off than we did. And it's almost like mm-hmm. that, um, this might be too strong of a word, but that survivor's guilt, you know? <laughs> mm, um, yeah. But by the same token, we still went through a lot. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. And, you know, I talked with somebody about it, therapy and a friend and an advocate. And because I brought that up because I said, you know, I don't feel like I have the right to feel this way, but they all pointed out that, and even, um, you know, a trauma expert I spoke to said, sometimes those are the harder, those are often the harder kiddos because it's hidden and it's, um, it's it's just hidden and it comes out sneaky, manipulative, you know, and, and that those are sometimes the harder kids to even treat, but it's just as, um, you know, it's all different, but your experience isn't any less than or more than because of that. And it's often, you know, the same level of difficulty, you're just dealing with different behaviors. So I can relate to that. And that's why I asked, because I went through that myself. I still go through that. And I think for a while I will. I think we will Mm -hmm. just have to be accepting of that and process it. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Process. But that was, yeah, it's interesting. You bring that up because even when we were doing research on attachment disorder on rad, I kept saying, well, she doesn't do that. Oh, she definitely does that, but that's not as bad as that. You know, I kept trying to justify her behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. And and minimize it. Exactly. I was looking for the word minimize. (laughs) because it's not she wasn't violent and she didn't threaten or hurt our animals or anything like that yeah but by the same token she still had you know the attachment issues and so at some point I kept thinking in my head well you know as I was researching them will at some point this manifest you know will she become violent and sometimes in her Mm -hmm. eyes I could see things (laughs) you know she Mm -hmm. wanted to hit or she wanted to hurt or lash out in a physical way she never did which I'm surprised Mm -hmm. but she never did but yeah it was it that has been probably it hurt in other ways (laughs) it hurt and it uh, yeah it just tears you down it just tears you apart tears you down and now your marriage did that affect you and your husband yeah I and again I still feel that you know we didn't have it all that bad we still went through a really really bad situation 
but it wasn't as bad as some of these other horror stories that you hear. My husband and I are rock solid. We were rock solid through the whole thing. However, there was still that distance, the intimacy, Mm -hmm. you know, just even talking to each other. It was more about our daughter and what she was going through and how to help her and less about, you know, focusing on our needs as, as a couple and whatnot. And so that was very difficult. And even, even now, five months post-placement, we're still feeling that to a degree, not all the time. Mm -hmm. Like we've gotten a lot better, but because we've had to, (laughs) you know, it's just us now, (laughs) but we, Jason and I never argued really. We would have discussions, but we would never have arguments or yelling matches or anything except for one time. And it was about our daughter and Uh, something that she had done. And the whole time that we were arguing and again, judgment-free zone here, I hope (laughs) the whole time we were arguing, she was up in the bathroom and you could just hear her singing and dancing and laughing about it the whole Mm. time. And when she came out, of course we were done arguing. She was just like all smiles, like, yay, I'm so happy that happened. And I'm glad that mommy's arguing right. with daddy kind of thing. That was right. Very, Cause I, then he'll be mine. He'll be all yep. mine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. oh boy, yeah. she was really buddy, buddy with Jason after that. He didn't yeah. tolerate it so well, but <laughs> she wanted to be over with him all the time. And yeah. So, yeah. but after that, it really, it opened our eyes to the fact that a, we shouldn't be arguing when she's in the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. You learn as you go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Whoops. Um, that wasn't smart. Yeah. And okay. then B, we just need to get on the same page about what we're doing. Cause it was, I can't yeah. even, I can't even tell you Tracy what the argument was about. I just know it was the only time we had ever screamed mm-hmm. at each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm glad you're sharing that and you describe it so well that you you're lucky that you have a very strong relationship, but even to, to speak to that, that no matter how strong you are, everything becomes about the child. And like you're saying, then again, another way you don't notice that there's just time that's gone by that you haven't focused on you. Every conversation, every discussion is talking about your rad child or what you're going to do or making sure you're that united front. And how are we going to do that? Every moment is calculated, right? You have to calculate every moment. And like you're saying, okay, now I'm noticing that she's laughing, enjoying this. Now we have to have another discussion about, we can't do that. Now what's our next strategy? Uh What's the next plan? I mean, yeah, it's never just fun. Mm. And whenever those rare date nights would happen, it was talking about her. Mm. So it was never, you know, right. So we had to, towards the end, um, even though there were a lot of heavy discussions um, that needed to happen and did happen, we ended up, you know, okay, this is date night. We have to have boundaries (laughs) Mm -hmm. and boundaries not going to be brought up. (laughs) So it was successful for the most part. And that allowed us to really reconnect with each other. It was still difficult because for the last five years, what have we talked about nonstop? <laughs> right. So, but yes. yeah, we're, we're working through it. <laughs> so now second chance adoption. So this is the part 
where it gets even juicier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so second chance adoption, if people haven't listened to those podcasts and met Ann Lamphere, what, how would you describe what is second chance adoptions? It's a program for who, what does it's it It's a program for people who, for parents who are struggling and can't find resources and just need their child to have a second chance. It's a program. And actually the way we found out about it is we were going to adopt <laughs> about a year ago, we were looking at adopting. Right. And so I, they came up and that's actually how I knew about it. And so you were going to adopt a second child and then you came across we were second chance adoptions. Yep. And so, and you're right. It is a program for families where like this first family, you, you kind of did a second chance adoption, yep. that first family where it was disrupted and you became the second family. That's basically exactly. what it is, except you did it without all the support and the, the things that could have made it much more positive and maybe found the perfect fit for that yes. child, yes. right? So second chances for families where it might be a disrupted adoption, but they want to find the right home yep. and these people help you, the program mm -hmm. and people there help you. They connect um, you with match. Yes, exactly. They connect you with families that could be a potential match. So they screen based on uh, introductions and biographies that these potential families bring in right. um, or submit. And then based on that, then we get involved as the parents and we're, we're very involved in, you know, selecting where this child goes, which is, is a good thing. You have a lot of yep. input. But we also rely on their expertise. Right. So tell me the minute you Google and you find second chance adoptions and you read about it, tell me what you felt in that moment. Um, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you. It, I was kind of on... <laughs> To say that I felt hope wouldn't be accurate, you know, Okay. <laughs> um, I'd like to say that, but it was just one more thing I was researching. So you didn't get a sense of relief, like, oh my gosh, hope, relief. This is, we could get out of well, this situation. Because she was already 11 no. at the time. And so we didn't know if anybody, I mean, you hear these stories about foster care and the older kiddos are the ones that are not easily adopted. And so I just thought, mm if we even went down that road, is it worth, is it worth it because she's older? Okay. Um, and actually what led us to look at second chance from the perspective of placing her with another family was that she, she ran away from home. And when she came home, she just said, I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> and so gotcha. that was heartbreaking in and of itself. And it started me down again, another cycle of research, 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 and on the phone and whatnot. And so when I, when I sent the email, the inquiry email to second chance, I honestly really didn't feel anything because I didn't want to set myself up for hope and potential relief. If there wasn't going to be anything, if there wasn't a chance, I hear you. you know, cause she was older. That. Yeah. So when I sent the email and I believe it was Cindy who responded <laughs> and she said, well, your daughter's at the high end of our age range, but here, fill this form out anyway, and we'll see. So that led to more, you know, all right, I'll just fill it out. You know, Jason and I, we filled it out. And at that point, we started to feel a little bit guilty. Like, have we tried everything? Did mm -hmm. we... 
did we research the right option? Are we really looking at this? Because I have a friend who's a social worker, well, an acquaintance more or less. And I called her to reach out to her and find out, you know, if she had any resources. And she said, well, if this was your biological child, you wouldn't be doing this. Well, if she was our biological child, she also wouldn't have some of the attachment issues. Maybe. I don't know. Right, right. So I started to already feel the judgment, you know, right. Second guess yep. yourself and second feel, guessing ourselves. Yeah. And then like what you're doing is yes, wrong or bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I told my parents what we were considering, I was bracing myself for not that they would judge, but just kind of like, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> but they didn't. Right, they right. didn't say that because they knew they they had been around our daughter so much and had been on the receiving end of her manipulations and her attachment issues even that they understood. And, and we knew it was going to be difficult for them too because this is their only grandchild. Right. And so I filled out the form just thinking, okay, this isn't going to happen. And even if it, you know, even if it goes to the next step, like, are we really sure this is what we want to do? And I know Mm -hmm. that when I say that, if there are any moms or dads out there listening who are considering this, I know exactly what they're feeling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to get emotional, Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. You go, girl. It is emotional. It is. And so we filled out the form and the paperwork and it took about two weeks for them to get back to us. And they said, well, we think we might be able to place her. And at that moment, I felt... Sorry, how many weeks? uh, It was two weeks. They didn't have a family or anything, but they thought maybe they could, like she would be a good fit for their program is what they said. Okay. So at that moment, it was guilt, but maybe some relief and maybe some hope. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, I was also thinking, I know how hard adoption is. Mm -hmm. I can't, we can't get our hopes up. Right. Always guarded. guarded, Always. And so (laughs) cautious. We filled out all the paperwork. It took about four weeks because it was a big questionnaire. They want to know everything and all the behaviors that your child may or may not have been involved, you know, presented with, you know, they want to know their entire history. They want to know the school history, the medical history, all of it. And so to collect all of that information, it took about a month to get it over to them for them to process it and do it, you know, which is good, right? Mm-hmm. They want all that information because here's the differences. Now yep. they're going to share that. Nothing is hidden. Everything's out in the open, right? They're be. learning as much as they can. Yeah. To prepare the next yep. family. And as much as I okay. might've wanted to say, well, no, she doesn't really do that, but yes, she really does. Yeah. We had to set her right. up for success because when she came yeah. to us, she, we were not set up for success. And I did not want to do that to this potential next family. Right. So while we're doing all of this, of course, we're also processing (laughs) so many emotions. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm the paperwork person in our family. My husband doesn't do the paperwork. And so I started (laughs) processing these emotions before he did, because here I am filling out this paperwork to basically, in my mind, it started out as I'm giving my child away. You know, it's not what I was Uh, doing. And please don't misconstrue that. But it felt like that's what I was doing preparing this. Sure. And in the meantime, she didn't know any of, that we were going through this. She knew right. when she told us she didn't want to live here anymore. We basically told her we would look at all of our options, but that we would not tell her anything until something was set in stone. And so through right. all of a this, sure thing. <laughs> we're still dealing with her behaviors, which are getting right. far worse because now enter preteens. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. hormones. 11, you were saying, yeah, right. Um, and not to mention COVID. And we're stuck in this Ugh. house because that was another thing. That was another layer. Is this COVID related? Is this related to the fact that we're all looking at each other now 24 hours, seven days a week? Mm-hmm. Um, sure, you got to consider so that. Should we wait until we're done with COVID to see if it gets better? And by that point, she would have been far too old. So filled out the paperwork, had many meltdowns and sessions where I just cried because I'm giving up. I'm, that's what it felt like. I was giving up. Is there something else that we can do? I just, it was so Mm -hmm. hard for me to process all of this. And so. Did that come from a sense of responsibility, like mm -hmm. as a parent and feeling like you're supposed to do everything and that ethical piece, yes. right? Yes. To, you know, cause you equate it to giving something away, giving a child yes. away is a different story. Yes. Those or a story that you tell yourself, right? Well, and yeah. And we stood in front of, it's like a marriage. When you stand in front of a pastor, mm-hmm. you, or, you know, an officiant and your family and friends, you promise to love each other until death do you part. Well, with this child, mm-hmm. we stood in front of a judge and our family who mm-hmm. came to celebrate this big moment of finalizing this adoption and we promised that she would be ours and that we would treat her like we would treat her any other child that was coming into our home and so dealing with the the guilt and the shame there was a lot of shame that went with that too um did you get it from anybody else too did that compound Uh it yeah oh yes and we were very very careful of who we told there were some people that I we bet. had to tell just by Nate, you know, by the fact that we're all in our circle and you know, notice right. this child. I'm not going to see your daughter anymore. <laughs> right. no. You're not going to be there anymore. <laughs> but we got a lot, a lot of judgment from family members, not immediate family members, but family members who didn't see the day-to-day struggle, didn't see... Right the fact that she's not just a normal, normal kid and, and no kid. I, I don't, I don't believe it's fair to classify any child as normal because there isn't a normal, but you know, people throw out the word, well, that's just a normal eight-year-old typical. typical. She's yeah. not, she's not. Right. Um, yeah. And so when I started to kind of forgive myself and that's mm-hmm. kind of strong, but that's kind of where it started. I had a conversation with my mom and she equated it to you're doing what's best for your child. 
birth moms, and I am not saying I am anywhere close to a birth mom. I'm not comparing myself to a birth mom, but they go through the same thing. They want what's best for their child. And that kind of gave me permission Mm -hmm. to feel okay about it. I guess Mm -hmm. I still don't, I still, that's, that's still too strong, but it kind of gave me a permission to kind of start processing it. And right. That's what you're working yes, towards exactly. for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, out the what a beautiful thing to share with mm-hmm. you and, and help you out with and help you to see and to validate yes. you and give you that permission, although you don't need it, but you feel like you need yep. it. Right. Especially when you get the judgment, the unique direction. Right. And this is a very unique situation, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Not everybody, not many go nope. through it. <laughs> so she was, uh, our daughter was listed on the second chance Facebook page at the end okay. of, I believe it was September. I could be wrong though. Cause I tell you what, that was such a blur. <laughs> everything. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of going through the motions and just trying to survive at that point. Um, and in late October, I think it was four weeks for us. And I will say that we are not the, the, the norm. We are not, we're, we're kind of a, what is that saying? Was it quicker than it usually is? is? Okay. Um, but you have to think our daughter didn't have all of the violent tendencies. She didn't have the sexual outbursts and things like that. She was a mm-hmm. well-behaved child when it came to other people. <laughs> right. And second chance still finds placements for yes, those kids too. It yes. just might take just a, might little take a little longer. Sure. But there's a family okay. out there for this child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we prayed about it and we, we wanted, we, so we had a family kind of, you know, when they, when they ask you, what do you see for your, for your child? Like what type of family do you see for your child? You know, we wrote stuff Mm. down and we had a family who was interested, who basically met that. But when we were on the phone with them, we didn't, get the feeling that they would be a good fit for her. So we actually let them go. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Well, good and call. And it was good a very call. good call because then this other family came yeah. and expressed interest and they had actually had experience with attachment issues. They had wow. a couple of other children that were older and it was it was amazing. And when we were on the phone with them, it was, we knew Jason and I looked at each other and we're like, this is the family. <laughs> just with wow. Everything. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. And it was, it was a goosebump yeah. moment. It was, it was amazing. Mm. Um, I love that. A goosebump <laughs> yes, moment. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Sorry. That's a good, one. Yep. True. True. <laughs> um, but when we were talking to them, they just really, they already cared about her and they had already, I mean, they wrote their introduction letter to us and used her name and, you know, they just already really cared about her and they have been wanting a daughter to add to their family to make it complete. And so 
<laughs> so when we got off the phone, the idea is you get off the phone, each couple or family will talk about if they want to move forward and then they send Cindy at second right. chance an email. And this couple was all for it. They were just waiting for us to make a decision. And so again, comes the guilt and the, are we doing the right thing? Right. And once we say yes, there's no going back. Cause in the state that we live mm -hmm. in, um, once we sign that termination, that's it. <laughs> we don't get gotcha. to go back and say, we change our mind, even though she's still living with us until everything happens. So um, we ended up, you know, of course, saying yes to this family, they were perfect for her. And it ended this whole process ended up with us truly focusing on what our daughter needed. It was mm -hmm. not about, it taught us a lot about how it's not about our guilty feelings. It's not about the grief that we're going to feel. It's truly about what she needed. And she needed this family because she was about to enter, she is about to enter teenage years. And the older she gets, she's a very intelligent child. She's so intelligent mm -hmm. and she processes things quickly. And so she will, she will need someone who can support her as she goes through this. And, and unfortunately, Jason and I mm -hmm. were not that, that family. We were just a stop on her journey. Um, we helped mm -hmm. her with a lot of things, but there were the important things mm -hmm. that she didn't, you know, she needs help with that we couldn't provide. And so she has been with this family for five months and we get glowing updates. Um, she's doing wow. really, really well. They just love her to pieces. We have not talked to her, which is fine. And that's a good thing. That's part of the program is we don't have any additional contact with her. And that was that was something that I really loved because when she was placed with us, they had ongoing contact with her, which did not, it was never a, a wall that clean went up. Break. Yep. It was never a clean yeah. break. And so through all of that, um, of course we learned. And so we wanted to set this family up for success Well, they, she feels rescued. They rescued her from a situation she didn't want to be in. And so mm -hmm. because of that, she feels safe thriving. They actually took her to a therapist and the therapist said, who I believe knows about attachment issues. The therapist said okay. she's doing fantastic and doesn't need to come back. So right now she doesn't, she's not even seeing. Wow. That's it huge. Is huge. And so, you know, we're, we're still processing feelings as an individual grief. You know, we, we went through mm -hmm. a loss loss. Um, yeah still some guilt, but the fact that she's doing so well has helped alleviate some of that. I bet. Because when you said that, I got a second goose, but good goosebump yes. moment. And, you know, just looking back to some of the things you said about that first family, you knew they weren't a fit. And as hard as that must've been to say no for so many reasons, right? You're ready to move forward. You want the best for your daughter. Here's a family, but kudos to you because that really does speak to how it was really all about your daughter and what was best for her because you were able to say no to that and then look you found the perfect mm -hmm. family and she's doing great yeah 
And how are you feeling? I know you mentioned you're processing and you're going through all of these things, but is there like a root kind of feeling underneath it? Is there that sense at your core that yes, this is the right thing. I feel good, relieved Mm -hmm. deep down, even though, you know, you've got all those other things to get. Yes. Um, all of the above. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) For the first time in a long time, my husband and I feel happy and we're talking about the future again. Wow. Wow. Which we hadn't done in a long time. (laughs) Right. Right. And how was this for your husband in terms of, you know, I know you said you did the paperwork and you processed everything a little quicker and as the mom, we're often the target. So I think we know, you know, when too much is too much and kudos to you for knowing that with yourself and you as a couple, but you know, what was that like? Did your husband know that? Yep. This is right. This is the right family. Oh yes. Right. He he felt good about this whole Mm -hmm. process. We were aligned from the start and we were just, we were just on a different timeline as far as how we were processing things. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I started the process sooner than him. And so when he got to the point I was at, you know, I was able to help support him through that. And then we've kind of hit a turn where we're just supporting each other whenever these feelings come up. And, um, you know, I'm the one that communicates with the family most. And so when I get one of those messages, um, like we got a message from a one of our family members and (laughs) she said well I'm sure you made the right decision for you I'm sorry Mm -hmm. what (laughs) so I tell Mm -hmm. him about that I get really angry and then he kind (laughs) of helps bring me down and you know it wasn't about her it was about us and our daughter and what was right for her so yes we made the right decision but it wasn't just for us it was for her too she needed you know, our exactly. daughter needed to have this second chance, third chance in her case, but right. it's turned yeah. out to be wonderful yeah. so far. And they're about to finalize, which is good. Finalize the adoption on their side. <laughs> That's so mm-hmm. great. So great. And so nice to hear that she's going to thrive. Mm-hmm. And that is the best thing. And I liked what you said too. Um, you know, you were a stepping stone, yes. you know, sometimes people come into your life for a certain amount of time to offer what they do. And it doesn't mean that you stay there, right? Healing is this wacky process (laughs) and, you know, and what we need and life and growth and all of that. And so the fact that you played your part and, um, you know, you sent her off into a beautiful life ahead, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that this program exists. So I have a couple of questions, hard question, if uh, I know, and you don't feel like you have to answer it, but I always wonder, would you adopt again? And if you do, would there be guilt behind that? So no, have you thought about that? Not going to adopt again. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I used to be such a strong supporter of the adoption system. And mm-hmm. adoption was the gift that gave my parents me and me, my parents. Right. And I will never, ever, ever, you know, I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I cannot 
right now say that I am a supporter of the adoption system. And I know that's a whole nother conversation, Tracy, but <laughs> it is, it, it is, is so, I know it's broken. And unless there were some it serious changes, I don't think we, yeah. yeah. And Jason and I are aligned on that too. I think, you know, people have asked us, are we going to adopt again? And our response is a hard pass, at least right now. Yeah. Right. And it's not about that all kids coming from the adoption system have attachment or reactive attachment mm-hmm. disorder. There's lots of positive, but you just, after experiencing the other side of that, that's how significant it really, it really is for yeah. a lot and of families that it's gun shy yeah. to try again. Right. I feel yeah. somewhat guilty even saying, no, I would never do that again. So that's where the guilt comes Interesting. from. Interesting. See, and I would have wondered if there was guilt saying, yes, we will adopt again. The first one didn't work out, but now we're going to, you know, I mean, this is the thing. It's so loaded and there's no right or wrong. (laughs) I'm just so curious so that we can all connect Mm -hmm. and just know, you know, this, uh, yeah, there's no right or Mm -hmm. wrong. And if people go through this program, I know that there's people who have gone through this program who are adopting again. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lady that I'm in contact with who actually adopted out of the second chance program. So she placed her uh, daughter, I believe, in the program and that was a success. And now it's been many years later and they're actually adopting out of the second chance program, which I think is beautiful. But for Jason and I, no. (laughs) No, and it's early days. I mean, like you say, right? You're still just getting through this process Mm -hmm. and- and, you know, I love that in thinking about that, that um, this, this program, because it sets families up the way that I think all families should be set up no matter where they're coming Agreed. from. And, um, you know, there's lots of good things happening in every system that speaks to the program and the whole thing that it really, there is no, here's these two kids. You don't know, they don't get to choose you and you don't necessarily get to choose them. It's really it should be more fluid and, and, and the goal should be the perfect placement, no matter what that looks like versus expecting that you've done this home study. Here's the perfect family. There you go. Exactly. Right. That's unfortunately not the reality of it. And I love that there's programs like this and families that are using it and you sharing your story, because that's all it's about is, Hey, this isn't right for us. We know that this isn't helping this child. So what can we do to help all of us? And sometimes it isn't staying with you. And now look at by taking that time and doing all that hard work and the, the right families exactly. there, right? Yep. So ours was a happy ending. And what would you tell parents that are in this situation? Because I'm going to be honest, if I would have known about this program, I think it would have been a very good fit for our daughter and I didn't know about it at the time. And I know I would have experienced everything you did or felt a lot of the things you did, but what way do you tell parents that are, you know, in your situation, no matter what the behaviors are, you're, this isn't the right fit. What would you tell them about the program or do you have words of advice? Sure. I, you know, do the research and it's hard know what you're researching. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do your research. Um, Second Chance has a list of people who, who are, guess, I guess, references um, that are willing to have others contact 
ask for that list and talk to the like families mm-hmm. that have been through yep, this. and okay. that have completed the program and I'm on the list people nice. talk to other parents who have gone through this mm-hmm. you will find that you are not alone <laughs> You're not Mm -hmm. on this island experiencing these feelings. You're not the only one. And I think that there's power in that because it gives you permission to to explore whether this is the right thing or not. And the other thing I would say is it truly is about your child. As hard as it is for you, and it will be hard. Oh my gosh, it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever go through. It is about your child. And if they need something that you are not able to offer, there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no judgment, or there shouldn't be, to reach out and see if this is a program that will work. Because for us, it quite literally, and I know this sounds dramatic, but it truly isn't. It quite literally saved our marriage. It saved our lives because I think we were getting into some health issues that we didn't, you know, that we weren't prepared for. And I think it saved our daughter too, at least from everything that I've been reading from this new family is she is just happy and thriving. And I don't know if I could say that she would still be happy or that she would be happy and thriving here. As a matter of fact, I can say she wouldn't be. Right. Yeah. You already weren't all of you. Right. Yeah. So it is a very hard decision, but such a beautiful one. And that there's these opportunities out there um, in the meantime, when you are struggling and you don't have the resources or. And I love that too. reach out to the parents that have been through it. It's just a conversation, right? It doesn't mean you have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Just talk, talk to somebody who understands what you're going through Mm -hmm. firsthand. And if the decision is that you don't use the second chance services, that's okay too. You know, you don't need to feel guilty for not going down that route. If you decide that truly that is not what's best for your child. We did because we thought that was best for her. Right. Yeah. And I think just by talking to people too helps you maybe come to a more clear decision than trying to do it all on your own. Right. And you are on that list. (laughs) So if people feel comfortable, they can talk to Jen. (laughs) Talk to me. I would be happy to talk to you. I'm a good listener too. So, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. This is a, I love that, you know, we've talked about the program, but this is a firsthand experience and it's a very unique and and tough position you've put in and you've navigated it beautifully. And I know you're still working through a lot, but um, that can't be easy to be so freshly out and still be here to share, but I know it's going to help so many people. I hope it does, Tracy. I hope it does. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you about it so one last question what what is ahead for you I know you're talking about this is the first time you can see the futures or something that you both really are you still shell-shocked and working through that or are you at a point where you're starting to consider what you want to do a vacation I don't know actually it's it's actually been a lot of fun 
I am about, I'm about a year out from finishing my doctorate. So I'll be done with that this time next year. I'll be Dr. Jen. (laughs) Dr. Jen, a doctorate in what? What? What's your doctorate? In in? uh, instructional technology. So I work in higher education and um, I'm excited about that. And my husband is a scuba diving instructor. And so we are going to the Philippines as a, it's our first vacation that's actually out of this country. I've never, I've left this country a couple of times, but only as a young, 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 young person, like in high school. So that was a long time ago. Um, (laughs) We won't talk about how many years ago that was. But it's going to be my first time leaving the country and having to fly over an ocean to get there. So it's really exciting. I've learned to scuba dive and in preparation for this trip. And so that's short term and and long term. We're just talking about what we want to do for us in the future. And it's, it's been Mm -hmm. really, really cool. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Well, and you have to scuba dive if your husband's an instructor. Uh, yeah, it's kind of an unwritten rule. <laughs> right? <laughs> and what does self-care look like for you and your personal recovery? Oh, that, that has actually been a journey. I've been trying to figure out what I enjoy doing. <laughs> and right. um, I've started crafting a little bit and making cards. I like to make cards um, and craft and use my hands with that. And then um, reading, I've started reading books (laughs) that are not about child rearing (laughs) and parenting, which those books don't help anyway, but it's books for fun. (laughs) So vacation, crafting, books for fun, better conversations, (laughs) scuba diving, yeah. I'm so glad. Well, and I'm sure listening to you laugh and I wish everybody could see your bright face and smile. I'm sure this is, this is the real Jen again. I feel like myself again. Good. It's taken a while to get there. Like I said, we're five months post-placement, but I tell you what, I haven't felt like the real me probably about two months ago when I started to feel Mm. kind of like myself again. It's just going to get better. I agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much. I, I'm really glad you shared your story and uh, just glad to meet you and that you've been here. I appreciate you, Tracy, for having me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.